Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 36. Uh, today, I went across the water to Ireland to bring in our guest, uh, Louise Crowley. Louise, if you'd like to say hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Not at all. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this episode. Uh, I came across you, oh God, I can't even remember how long it would be ago, but I'm going to get into that as we go and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try and get a bit of a more natural reaction. It was something that came up in social media that, that originally drew me to you. Um, but Louise is massive on Instagram, uh, and I say massive, and I know she's going to be like, oh, it's not massive, but it is massive. It's like 25,000 people follow her, um, so quite a notable account, I'm sure we'll all agree. I'm almost at a 1,000, don't mean to brag. Um, so, yeah, uh, rubbing shoulders with the stars today, shall we say. <laughs> um, but enough of me talking a load of nonsense, Louise. Um, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Was was farming always for you? Are you from a farm? Tell us a bit about that. <clears throat> Before we get on in to another excellent episode of the R2 cast, I would just like to thank the sponsor for the show today, The Scottish Farmer. A weekly magazine highlighting everything you need to know regarding the Scottish agricultural industry. Whether it's breaking news, events happening in the sector, market reports, classified ads, or just wholesome stories happening in the industry. The Scottish Farmer's got it for you. Yeah, so a bit about me. I'm 27. I'm full-time dairy farming since 2018. Came home to the, the home farm and I'm farming in partnership with my dad. So it's just the two of us. And we're aiming to milk 185 cows this year. Um, Farming, definitely the plan was always to be coming home to the farm at some some point in my life. Uh, I'd say around the time I was doing my junior cert through my exams when I was like 13, I knew I wanted to go farming um, and that was fine. I tied with the idea maybe of becoming an agricultural science teacher for a while. Um, thought maybe, you know, I didn't want to go straight home farming when I was 18 after school. And then I decided as I got closer to finishing school, I says, why am I bother doing that when the end goal is to be on my own farm? I was like, why not start where I want to end up? And, you know, in farming, you know, if you take five years out of something, you could gain a lot of improvements and stuff in that time. So I was like, sure, look, I might as well start as I mean to go on. So you, you went onto the farm, but not full time out of school. Is that what you're saying then? If I picked it up right. So I was doing so I from the age of 14, 15, I was always working on the farm. So after before school, after school, weekends, summer holidays. And then I did finish my school exams and I did go on to college. I went to the agricultural college that was only a half an hour away from me. So I did my dairy um certificate, so dairy herd management. So I did two years there and loved it but I was still farming at home with it as well and as part of it you have to do on farm placements so I ended up working on two local farms for three months bills too and I'm still working at home kind of fitting it all in and I went I, I finished that then and I said there was probably a bit more to learn before I came home fully farming in my own right I wanted to learn more about like nutrition and breeding and things like that so I went on to um, a university then for three more years but I was that was an hour away 
but I was all up and down the road to the farm, still farming the weekends in the summer and the whole lot. But uh, I saw all my education then in 2018 and I was back in with a bang into the farm, full steam ahead. And what what college, university was that? Emily, is that Greenmount? No. 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 So at the time it was called the Cork Institute of Technology, but right. it's now um, the Mon- Munster University now. Right, okay. Quite enjoy yeah. it. So it was based in Cork. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite enjoy your... your uni days your student life I did um going I suppose I went to the college in Limerick it was more practical and hands-on you know it was a, a working farm college um it's a bit unusual there was 107 of us in the course and I was the only girl um so uh, there was plenty of tension attention I, I definitely stood out <laughs> amongst everyone um, and then when I went on to the next college, it was more 50-50, you know, it was a bit more normal. But that side then was more lecture-based and, you know, literature and stuff. 107 to 1. Jeez, oh. <laughs> that's, that's quite something that I'm sure that was a, an experience for you in itself. <laughs> Definitely, like, and it goes to show that's only... That, that was only 2018 or 2013 when I started going there. And at the time, there was meant to be five girls doing the course. And the principal felt that he should warn me that the other four had decided to go and do different degrees somewhere else and weren't going to go. And was I still going to be comfortable being the only girl? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, it doesn't bother me. And he's like, just just making sure now, you know, before you come, like, you'll be on your own. I was like, it's grand. Um, but like, I, li- I like to take from it, like, I ended up winning um, best student of the year in my final year there for my farm business plan and going on to represent the college then, like competing against the other college students. And out of all 107 of us, I was the best welder out of them all. So, <laughs> well, I mean, there, there we are. I mean, you didn't even need the other five, other four, sorry. Um, yeah. So, what did that award involve? What, what, how, yeah, how did that work? So, as part of your course, you had to come up with a five year plan for your farm enterprise. So, what you wanted to achieve, where you wanted the farm to be, and how you were going to get there. So it was everything from the financials, stocking numbers, um, your, your grass measurements, your improvements. That was all taken into account. So um, uh, it was something that was very new to me at the time, but it really did stand to me because within, um, I suppose, the, the first year that I kind of came home farming, I actually bought another farm. So it was grand to have that that business plan in my pocket from from 2015. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Jesus, it's not like you uh, do things by half. Uh, <laughs> really go for it. Um, yeah, like things like like it was a farm, a land that we were we were renting at. Um, it was like kind of our out farm silage ground, and uh, came up for sale. And these things like land doesn't come up for sale very yeah. often. And we just said we had to go for it. And unfortunately, the way the banks work and things like that, they're not inclined to, they were more inclined to loan money to a young person like myself. Yeah. 
Um, like my dad is only in his early 50s and they still weren't even that inclined to give him any money or have him on uh, the the loan or whatever. So um, I went on a, out on it on a limb for myself. Um, but you look, till be there for the, like it's it's still the family farm. It doesn't matter whose name is on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's an interesting one. I've, I've not bought land, but I've bought a couple of houses in the last year. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting process. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun one. Um, and yeah, they do not want older people. And old doesn't need to be old, old. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky game. But um, quickly to jump back to the farm, um, for those of you listening, guys, uh, if you want to follow Louise on Instagram, it's Louise Crowley Farms. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. it. Um, Follow it. There's a lot of farming Instagram and Facebook accounts out there, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Louise. It's quite cool. There's almost like this like community of us all, where we all sort of get to know each other, and things like this help. And so it's really good. One thing um, I really enjoy about Louise's Instagram page is it's not just posting photos of calves. There's definitely that, uh, but it's also sort of looking into the. I wouldn't go maybe as far as seeing science, but looking at the nutrition, um, what grass actually means, that sort of stuff. It's quite. It's educational i guess is what i'm trying to say but also quite good fun so i'd advise going checking it out this will maybe get you like two follows louise but still uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's worthwhile at the end of the day um you say you're milking was it 185 you said um what what breed is that you're milking could you tell us <clears throat> so uh we milked 174 last year and we have about 130 calved at the moment so about 55 left to go uh it's mainly british region um there's a couple crossbreds in there a couple of jerseys kind of slipped in a, a few years back and, and uh, they've kind of slipped back out again but uh mainly british Friesian. i like the black and white kind of blocky cow low maintenance yeah yeah what, what sort of yield are you looking at roughly you got an idea um uh, they're at about they're just shy of about the the five thousand mark um right. Like our herd is very young. Um, it's something you know, I'm improved looking at breeding to try and improve, and I'm hoping with a bit of age, um, that they, they haven't hit their maturity really yet. Um, there's definitely 40 percent of the herd are probably under four years old at the moment. Right. Um, just we we've had a, a high a replacement rate there since 2018. Um, I don't know. What are you would uh we had a really bad drought here in 2018. Um, it was just awful. My first I'll never forget my first year fully farming at home. Um, because we our farm would be quite high. And in the whole of 2018, we put the diet feeder away for a month. The rest of the year it got put away for April. It was back out in May. I was feeding silage out in paddocks um there was just nothing the place was brown um and then I suppose with all the stress of it on the cows and everything there was a big um cell count mastitis outbreak so ended up me having to cull about 40 cows as a result of it so that's why the herd got rapidly very young because they were taken out of it and of course there were always the best cows get these problems <laughs> typical isn't it it's got to be always <laughs> oh um, always and it's always the cow that's the poor milker that'll go and calf every year and nothing ever happens there <laughs> so for those of you listening um 
farming is not the easiest thing to get into. Let's let's try and curb that idea. Uh, could you just tell tell the, the listeners there, Louise, because it might not mean much to a lot of them. I've got I've got uh, a farming demographic, and I've also got sort of a lot of people who are interested in getting into farming. Um, just how long that your your feed wagon would normally be in the shed? <clears throat> oh yeah. So normally, um, we pull it out from about the middle of November, and it should be parked again by March. And like generally we'd have cows here by January would be going out to grass. So every week after that, it's getting less and less use. Um, but yeah, gen- like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny. You, you always, you look back on these years and I, mean, I was too young to sort of fully be involved. But I was in 2013. This wouldn't have hit you guys in 2013 where we are a massive snow hit. And I mean, I'm talking height of the house snow, you know, and uh, yeah, just, different like <laughs> looking back on those days you're like thank god it's not like that at the minute <laughs> um but yeah that's that's one month that's that's quite something that is um what what sort of i guess in the sort of that yield you're maybe looking at higher protein and butterfats what sort of market are you aiming for <clears throat> yeah so like um we wouldn't have ever had the cows that were doing the huge yields the massive chasing liters and things so we're probably in a better position to improve the breeding to go towards the milk solid side. Um, we're supplying Kerry Co-op is the, the name of who we supply. And they they are the milk. It's going for, you know, for liquid milk and it's going for cheese as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it, it goes between both. The, the, the company's doing both. No, good. And uh, what sort of system is it you're running? Is it like, is it heavily grass based or what are you looking at? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, grass is the cheapest thing you can feed a cow and it's the best thing for them. Um, definitely more inclined. I'm starting to try and cut back more the amount of meal usage that's on the farm. At the moment, we're on about 700 a ton a cow uh, or 700 kg uh, a cow um, I was going to say a year. <laughs> yeah no my bad um, yeah so we're I know there's a lot of people around here that would be feeding the ton a cow uh, so we're under that a good bit but I would be trying to bring that towards the, the 600 kg mark nice. um, looking at from May, June, July there are peak milking months but they're also our peak grass growth months. So with measuring the grass, being really keeping an eye on it. So once it hits, once it hits the end of April, start of May, I'd be measuring grass every five days here to see, keep it the best quality as possible. If it goes too far, the cows don't get it, cut it for silage, take it out. Um, the better the quality of the grass going in, the less meal they will need. So, um, yeah, it's it's a work in progress. It's something I'm learning about constantly here and trying to to better. Um, but yeah, grass management is absolutely key to keep the meal down. Oh, brilliant! And and um, how are you housing? What five months a year, six months a year, or? Um. So the cows came in. They came in the last week of November this year, and. Yep. They wore out. They wore out for about two weeks up until last week. 
So we generally will get cows out last week of January as they're calved. Um, and we should be finished calving by the first week of April. Uh, just the, the weather hasn't been very helpful the last week to 10 days. If these storms could go away now. Um, so the cows have had to come back inside, unfortunately. Um, and then the young stock were out until the second week of December this year. So um, we can keep them out quite a while. Like the young stock generally will go out around St. Patrick's Day and as well. Right. So you uh, don't have to keep them in all along. The aim is to track the cows to like as close to 300 days of grass in the year if possible. So Lovely. it doesn't always, not always achievable, but um, we generally can get to about 290. And I mean that that's that's brilliant though. I mean, I, I would certainly say. I mean, I'm not a dairy expert, not a grass expert, but um, looking in, I would say that's quite a good target. And uh, looking um, sort of at the <laughs> lost my complete train of thought here. Um, where was it going? I had a really good question. That's really annoying. I can't think what it was. Uh, oh, just gonna have to change. Doesn't matter. Um, I. Uh, on, on on Instagram, full years have said, Louise, and uh, the the sort of grass side. I think between yourself and Sophie Bell, I get my grass uh, get my grass fix. Uh, it's um, mm. it's it's great, love it. And uh, for those of the the people in my office that work with me that uh, are listening to this podcast, they know fine well that my grass knowledge is just ridiculously low. And uh, every time I talk talk to people about grass. Um, I can just hear them in the back of my head saying, why are you asking this? You don't know what the answer is. Uh, but that's exactly why I'm asking it. And the thing I'd lost my train of thought that I was going to say was just for reference as to where we are, what Louise is talking about, we're filming this on the 21st of February. Um, it won't be out today, so just, just so you can sort of mm-hmm. understand where we are. Um, yeah, have, have you ever worked, you, you said you did some work experiences here and there, Louise. Have you ever worked on a sort of all-year-round calving place or not? <clears throat> Um, I did, um, so I did two farm placements as part of college when uh, in Ireland, farms, and then when I went on to the, the university, there was another placement to be done, so I chose to go to New Zealand, so it was out there for six months, and they did have some, they had a winter calving block, um, they only had about 200 cows um out of the thousand cows calving so yeah yeah. yeah, but there wouldn't be too much of it around here we're generally all spring calving here and i suppose out of the locality around here too we'd be nearly the earliest um a few years back we did actually we did winter milk for three years ourselves um we got this idea that we'd calve down our heifers in November and December and like get them out of the way for the spring for the cows, the main bulk of the cows. Um, look, in theory, it worked. But like when the main bunch of cows were dried off, you were left just milk and heifers. And that can be stressful with just heifers in a parlor. And at the same time, you didn't get any break at all and no cow the milk machine never got turned off those years it was going every day so we were already tired going into the spring so uh, that idea was scrapped after very quickly after a couple of years it does make sense in theory but i assume training heifers on their own is 
a, a fun game, shall we say. Uh, Definitely, yeah. <laughs> so New Zealand, what was that like? It's always the sort of the mecca for 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 dairy folk, kind of. Um, how did that go? How did that come about as well? Was that did they help you get that through uni, or did you work it yourself? No, so um, basically it was up to you. Um, the majority of the people in the course actually just stayed in Ireland. Um, I was the only one that actually went out to go dairy farming. Um, I got in contact with our local farm advisory service and they had a list of kind of approved farms or people they knew that had gone to those farms before and had a track record. So I emailed about a few of them, did a couple of Zoom calls and settled on a farm about um, an hour from Auckland and went out and didn't really know anything better what they had told me or what I could see on their Facebook page um, and just took a chance and went out New Year's Day out on my own. I had some experience. Was there anyone else there or was it just yourself? Well, obviously the, the owners and such, but was there anyone else that went out there? <coughs> Not uh, you, no. Uh, the, so the, the farm I was on, I was actually the only non-Kiwi that was there. So there was uh, four of us working there. There was always three working and one would be off time off um the owners of the farm would be in and out but they weren't employees on the farm essentially so there was a farm manager and there was three employees um but they yeah the rest of them were all new zealanders um so yeah and was was that just a head and bone or did they have a rotary or anything like that uh, it was a 70 point rotary what how did you feel about that did you quite like that yeah, like at the time when I went out, I wouldn't have ever had an experience in a rotary and there wasn't really, there wasn't animal marine. So I was kind of just jumping heads first and like once you get used to a rotary, it's very hard to go back to anything else, like the speed that you can go through cows. Um, like I came back, when I came home, it was like the middle of summer and I went home, I landed into the parlour and said, oh, I'll do a bit of milk. And then I was like, Jesus, we only have 150 cows. This is taking so long, just taking two hours. And like my last milking when I left New Zealand, I milked 200 cows in like 16 minutes on my own. I was like, yep, big difference. I'm home. Did you say 16? 16, yeah. Right. Jeez, oh, I didn't realise it was that. I knew it was quick. Yeah, but... yeah. Well, it was. They were they were getting to their kind of drying off period too, so yields wouldn't have been massive. But um, yeah, when cow flow was right and there was nothing going wrong, you could fairly motor through it. And did you have someone pushing up then, as well as yourself on the parlor? Or how does that work? No. So when when we had the full thousand cows milking um there was two people putting on units so you first and second the first person putting on units was also operating a backing gate so that was coming around the yard keeping the cows pushed up second person then was cupping everything the first person wasn't and then you had to kind of keep an eye on i suppose a third of around on the rotary that if a unit fell off you put it back on um and then the, the third person then was always bringing in cows because we had the cows in three separate herds 
So there was the, the Jersey herd, the Frisian herd, and then there was like the first and second lactation cows. Right. So that's the way we worked it. Jesus, I, I knew it was fast, but that's something else, that is. <laughs> like anyway. our, our, we were doing a thousand cows in about an hour and 20 minutes. Like it was fair going, that was washed up, the whole thing done. That's insane. I, I'm just, mm. I was just oblivious to that. I, that's that's <laughs> Oh my. Um, I always like to do a wee bit of research uh, when I've got a guest on, and you're not the easiest one to research. If it's not on Instagram, it's not really anywhere else. Some people have got like a wee thing here and there, but um, I wanted to ask in your Instagram bio, it says uh, 2018 Queen of the Land. Is that anything to do with what you were mentioning earlier with a business plan or is that another thing? That was another thing. Um, so our young farmers here is called Makra and Afirma. Uh, it translates to people of the land. Um and we do we've got competitions so like we have young farmer of the year competitions and then we have a couple of festivals um the guys have a festival called mr personality and then the girls have three festivals and queen of the land is the big one um it's like i don't know i always describe it as the rose of tralee for farmers but like the rose <laughs> tralee is a big irish pageant as well um no, but like, it, yeah. yeah so it was basically um like we had judges for it so there was um, a machinery dealership owner was judging he was sponsoring it uh the previous winner was sponsoring it and then we had um Anna Marie McHugh from the plowing championships and we had the president of the Irish Farmers Association at the time Joe Healy was judging it as well so um quite daunting like as someone that was actively farming I knew all these people um so we were judged on it's a full weekend and you you have to win your like your county round before you can go up so I was representing my county Limerick um there was 26 of us in it uh we even had an entry we had an English entry and we had um Northern Ireland entry as well and you're judged basically on how you get on with everyone else, how you present yourself, how well you can represent, you know, your your industry. Um, and like I was, you get 15 minutes of a private interview and then you have to do an onstage interview. And in my private interview, I got questions like, you know, if you win this tomorrow and the Irish Farmers Journal ring you, and they ask you, what's your opinion on vegans? What are you going to say, you know? Or, um, you know, how, how do you get people to, to drink more milk and all of these kind of topics? Um, so they were pretty big. So it was my first, I was new to Makra. I'd only joined it that year. Uh, so I went up to it not knowing what I was going for. People kind of told me, yeah, you'll be grand. You'll do well, go on up. And uh, ended up winning the thing and ended up, I traveled uh, most of Ireland meeting young farmers and judging their competitions and giving talks on women in agriculture and dairy farming. I was out in Brussels at the EU Commission meeting the MEPs and the Commissioner for Agriculture at the time. I was in Spain um, with ICOS, you know, representing Irish young farmers out um so I did a lot of traveling with it it was 
I didn't realize when I was going there how big a deal it would have been like within Ireland um but it was great it opened so many doors and it's the reason I started Instagram well it's, it's funny as you were talking there I mean that sounds awesome going to Belgium everywhere fantastic um the it's funny the next part I'd written was I wonder if this is going to be related to Instagram so we might as well jump onto that um mm. Uh, you started Instagram because of that was that before or when you were started traveling for this uh, and also was that the reason why or was there something else related to it I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today the Scottish Farmer and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Yeah, so I started, I won that competition in November 2018. And then I started, well, it was just my own personal Instagram account. And I was putting up bits of farming here and there or whatever. And then it came to like January, February 2019. And I was getting more people who were following me, I suppose, within Makra and had seen me in the paper doing interviews and I was starting to get more and more questions and details on the farm and what I was doing what did I think of such and such a thing so I said you know I, I might do this properly and you know try and put a bit of effort into it and do content regularly and it grew from there and then I just changed my Instagram name and I've left it as my personal and I suppose my farm account because I like to show it's not only just farming you know we do try to have personal time and time away from the farm as well so I just left the two of them together but it just naturally kind of grew since then and yeah I mean what's that the the end of 2018 so basically one two three basically three full years and it's at 25 something from what I can remember um, I checked last week. Uh, does that, that must bring opportunities to you as well? Definitely. Um, I suppose the last, the last 18 months has brought an awful lot. Um, definitely. Like uh, I've been on television a couple of times. I, I do a lot of kind of, I suppose, interviews and in media, the radio papers, trying it's more the young farmer perspective a lot of people want and getting that out there um but it has opened some unique opportunities i was actually last yeah march last year i was actually on television they they did a show here to us like first dates right um but the premise was you sat down and you had dinner with somebody that you weren't going to get on with. So it was called Eating with the Enemy. And I did you have a vegan down, by any chance? I did. So I <laughs> sat down to my uh, lovely beef dinner in front of a vegan. Um, so, and that opportunity came from Instagram. The company got on to me going, we think you might suit this. <laughs> how, did, how did that conversation go out of interest? Um, um, look, like I went into it knowing full well they were only going to ever pair a dairy farmer with a vegan. Um, the the person opposite me was highly put out that it was a female farmer he was matched with. 
um he there was actually complaints afterwards because he was prepared you know to have a real argument with a man and then he kind of got sidetracked when I wasn't a man um but at the end of the day I had my opinions I went into it and said look I will hear you out as long as you hear me out I was like I will blatantly I will tell you I'm more than likely not going to agree with you and I know you won't agree with me but just listen to what I have to say and he tried several times to kind of really rile me up you know I was called a murderer and all sorts of things but I didn't let him get to me and I think that probably annoyed him a lot more um filmed it and I was like Grant you know that went fine and then as usual as as it gets closer to the airing date I was like oh no what did I say you know you can't really remember things back correctly and of course it aired and I did the worst thing uh, and I sat on my phone on Twitter going what are people saying about it and what I found was so funny was nobody had anything bad to say about me or my opinion or what I had to say the vegans actually ended up fighting amongst themselves because a lot of the vegans didn't agree with what the guy on the television show was saying and I was like that's fine leave you off you obviously don't all have the same agenda I was like that's grand (laughs) (laughs) I think the, the, the most shocking part of that is I don't get what the difference between having an argument with a man and a woman is Hey. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I, I think he was probably more comfortable with being more aggressive with a man. I don't think right. he kind of wanted to have the same confrontation with me. But at the end of the day, I said it doesn't matter. Like I'm going to have the same opinion as any male dairy farmer. So, but that that was his baby. Yeah, good. Uh, here, probably quite good fun, quite an experience. But I, it's mm. I've I've spoken this podcast on numerous occasions that there's a lot of 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 merits to veganism as a principle. I've said this a mm. few times, but I think the the issue, as with everything, and this happens on the farmer side, the vegan side, anything that involves activism, it's just when it becomes militant, you know, where it's becoming, yeah. I just can't say what I have to think and then listen to you. It's got to be like a bombardment. That's where it becomes a bit of a but it's, it's an interesting discussion and I've had many a discussion about it all, just not on a date. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, I've, I've absolutely no problem with vegans. Like, I don't go around telling people, you should drink a glass of milk or you should eat a steak, you know. Each their own, whatever they want to do. There is some diet out there for everyone, but it's don't attack the person that chooses not to be like you. You know, I, I don't give out to a person for not eating the same way I do um but yeah it's when they become extremists and you know I get lots like this time of year I when I get back into posting calves on Instagram and cows calving it's just like a siren call for all of these extremists and it's just a litany and once I stop posting calves they'll go away for the rest of the year um but like they go oh it's animal rights activists and go no there there is activists but you're extremists like yeah, there is different. a huge difference yeah absolutely and, and I filmed a podcast last night actually no I didn't two nights ago and uh, the person on it's a journalist she works for the BBC uh, or did anyway and uh, talked about the fact of activism is a good thing 
uh, we need activists to make us sort of more diplomatic folk think about it, mm. which is a really cool way of thinking of putting it. I'd never thought of it that way, but yeah, it's when it becomes extreme that it's 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 more serious. Um, I, as I said earlier, Louise, something popped up on a. I think it was a Facebook article popped up, and that was where I originally became aware of you uh, about trespassers. Now, was, that this is, where, this is where I first heard about you. Uh, three three folk on the farm, and uh, it made national news, which I thought was good because uh, it shouldn't just be. Know the code is uh, slightly different for you guys, but in the UK, I think our thing's called Know the Code. I don't know if that's exactly what yours is called, but you're basically allowed to walk in fields probably too easily I would say um but well I'm not going to tell your story could you tell us about that what what happened and it must have been quite a probably a daunting thing I guess <clears throat> yeah so um that is the last thing I thought you uh, that you would have spotted me from that was, <laughs> but, that, um, was that was where it was that's where I first heard of you yeah <laughs> but uh definitely no it was something we've always had like unwanted walkers trespassers coming through the place here um look the farm has a hill on it uh people kind of you know that you can see it from a long way and people want to see what's up the top of it and that's fine but like local people will always let us know if they're coming in and it's just common courtesy because we don't have paths through our farms here there isn't right of ways there is there isn't access points so people coming in they either they'll contact us and they can come in the gate but these people come in through and I wouldn't even call them a hole in a hedge because it amazes me where these people can crawl through um and in that instance I actually videoed them leaving and the police the guards couldn't even believe how they got out um but uh so when covid came everyone was locked down unfortunately side effect all these people started appearing in quadruple numbers out by the way walking dogs and like and don't even get me started on that they were walking lurchers and greyhounds they didn't even have a collar on them they had a bit of twine around their necks like they come in they'd walk through my herd of cows and if I go down this instance I went down drove down the jeep and said to them you know you don't have permission to be in here you're in my field of cows there was loose dogs I said you know this is a danger I says I want you out and they referred to me as oh love and darling and you know don't be getting so cranky and you know we're allowed being here the farmer said we can be here and I says the farmer didn't say you could be here I says I am the farmer and they're like, oh, you couldn't be, you couldn't be. And on that instance, my father actually walked around, he was away. So I was the only person around for 200 acres and c- confronting these guys. So I sat in the Jeep and I took my phone out and I says, I'm recording you now until you leave. And they said, Grant, that they were going to walk up the passage into my farmyard and they'd walk out that way. I says, you're definitely not going near my farmyard. So like you can see what machinery I have or the sheds or whatever. I says, you'll go back out now, whatever way you came in. Because it says you didn't come in a gate. So show me where you left. 
so they went out through this hole in the hedge but this is after like they asked me for my phone number um if they married me would they be allowed walking around the place you know um I wouldn't put my phone away so I was got a litany of insults and swear words at me um one of them tried to come at me to take my phone off of me um so then I rang the guards and they said Grant they were on the way out uh, so they eventually went through this hole in the ditch into my neighbor's field um and I was still watching them I says you know keep going and they're like oh no we're not in your farm anymore and I was like how do you know that like because most people wouldn't know where the boundaries stop um but like they knew exactly where they were but um I rang then all the neighbors around because they tried to get into five more farms but I found out afterwards the guards actually did pick them up and they had confronted another elderly woman on a farm that morning about a half an hour away and actually threatened her and picked up a hurley like a stick and threatened her that if she didn't get out of their way they would get make her get out of their way so like the guards came to me afterwards and they just said please don't confront these people anymore unless you actually have backup because they said we just don't know what they're going to do so like I don't know. I still think about it now. Um, and that was last summer. And I came away and I was waiting for the neighbours to come. And I was at my road gate walk, watching these trespassers walk down the main road. And I was shaking. Like, I was like, how did I hold my nerve? Like, you know, when I was telling these people to get out. But like, it was only even an hour later. Like, I was in a ball of tears. When I realized I was like, that was really scary. Like I was a landowner in my own property and these people just think they can come in and do what they like. Which which is madness, really. I mean, isn't I mean the, the obviously talking down to you because uh, hmm. you're female, this seems to be part of it. Uh, the fact that oh it couldn't be your farm. I mean, that in yeah. itself is mad. The fact that they're they're clearly willing to maybe not attack. I don't know what what came of the old woman, but um, and itself is scary as well. And and the, I think adrenaline overcomes you, and you're like, well, this is my place. I'm going to protect it. I can imagine why after that was so scary. Um, you don't think of it though, do you? I mean, I own the flat I live in, but I never really have to think, oh, someone's going to come in here. It's it's only a land thing. Um, yeah, which is. Well, it doesn't make sense, <laughs> uh, but no, it, that, that that was how I originally heard of you, and uh, maybe it wasn't the nicest thing to originally <laughs> before, but uh, no, not nice, and uh, it seems like you dealt with it as well as you could have. Um, but <laughs> yeah, definitely, because even I, I I was on the radio a couple of times about it, and you know, and a lot of farmers contacted me too, saying you know, oh, we've been putting up with this, and the advice like. There were so many different um, kind of advice being given. Like some people were saying you should get a, a shotgun and confront them with a gun. And then I was speaking to the guardian and they said that's the worst thing you could do because they said they know you don't want to use that. So they know like you're more than likely not going to use it. But they said if you even fire a warning shot, there's been cases where they've the trespassers have run away 
but they might have tripped on something and hurt themselves. And they filed then a complaint against the farmer saying they injured themselves, you know, and, and next thing you have somebody claiming off your public liability insurance insurance. But like it, it's a huge problem here because of our judicial system. Um, the Gardaí are doing as best as they can. And they were as furious about it when I went to them the last time about it because they said, we know who's doing it. We can put them into the squad car today. We'll take them to court and the judge will give them a slap on the wrist. And he says, we'll see them again. Somebody else will be ringing in two weeks time about the same guy. He says, unless they actually get a severe punishment they, they're just not afraid of the guards. They're not afraid of the judges. They, they're getting away with it. They might get a fine here and there, but you're like, you know, it, it's, it, it is, when you hear that afterwards, it's it's even more daunting that, you know, they're, they're not afraid of anything. So are they going to be afraid of a farmer telling them to leave? Not really. Like, they're only just going to laugh at you. And and why, why should they be afraid if, if they're just going to go mm. court and it's going to be fine? Oh, yeah. you're fine. So we're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Basically, what what they're saying is we're not going to do anything until they injure something. Uh, yeah. That's what this is going to take, which is a worrying precedent in itself. Um. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember exactly when this was, but I'm going to guess September. Yes. I could be miles off. Um. Yourself and three others. Uh, were the uh, front cover of is it Independent magazine. Um, yeah, yeah it's a national paper, yeah. Um, Hazel, Sophie, Alice and yourself, I have had Hazel on the podcast. Uh, I've spoken to Sophie. Uh, I have messaged Alice, but never heard anything back. Um, I'm basically trying to get all four of you, you know, uh, get, tick, <laughs> tick, with, tick the full uh, title page box. Um, but yeah, that, that was, I mean, we've, we've all sort of been in magazines and newspapers here and there through this stuff. I was in mm. Sunday Times a few, a few weeks ago, stuff like that. But Front page, it almost looks like the mag- magazine is dedicated to the four of you. That's mm. major. <laughs> how, how did that come about that it wasn't just yourself or Hazel or whatever? How did it come about that it was a four of you? Yeah, that was huge. <laughs> and like I made front page of like the Farmer's Journal when I won Queen of the Land. And that was just me on my own and things. But being on the cover of that with the girls and we got like seven eight pages like full spread in the magazine um the photos were actually taken on my farm here so the girls all came to me but uh all the credit goes to alice so it was alice that was approached about it and it's like you said you know we have our own community um on instagram and alice came to us and said you know look I want you to be part of this with her do you want to do it and we all said yeah perfect great um but it it was it was great because we all have our own kind of unique angle to farming I suppose I'm the only grown up on a dairy farm I continued with dairy farming Hazel has the vet background you know from a dairy farm like Alice no farming background you know started as a calf rare now she's a farm manager started this year as a farm manager on a dairy farm and like Sophie is just between her beef farm and 
her milking cows for other people and doing PR work for farm agencies. You know, there's such a great mix between us, but we are great friends. And it has all spanned from Instagram and just watching each other. It's kind of, it's something like I follow a lot of people on Instagram as well. And you're watching them every day. And then when you actually meet them, you're like, you know, you feel like you've known the person for ages and you might have never actually met them in person before. And that's what it's like with those girls. It's 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 a weird thing that, I mean, like, for instance, uh, I think before before this, we mentioned Carol Devaney. Um, mm. And I've, I've known Carol for the best part of, what, 10 months now? Never met him. Um, someone that uh, writes for the Scottish Farmer, well, so just left, writes for the Scottish Farmer, which is our sort of main farming magazine here in Scotland. Um, she got in touch with me right at the start of Real to Kitchen, which is probably about uh, July 2020, and uh, did a big spread on me. It was really cool. Um, but I've spoke to her ever since then. She's been on this podcast. I've done interviews with her. She's done two things with me. And then I met her two weeks ago, and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you're a person. <laughs> It's so exciting, uh, and it's such a surreal thing that's only really started happening in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, but it's really nice. Uh, yeah. So, so um, well, I think was it Poddy Poddy Burke was the, that was the the camera person. I think yes. from memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, some great photos. Obvious. Uh, how, how long did that take? How long were they at the farm for? <clears throat> um, I think they were out for about five hours. Um, in fairness, like he was so good with us because, yeah, it was such a big shoot. And I, when we were doing it, we didn't know we were going to be on the cover, so we were just doing an article. And Paddy was taking the photos, and he was like, "Now, girls," he's like, "I've only ever taken photos once for this paper, and I got the cover, so I'm doing it again," you know. And he'd be like taking the photo he's like you know, think cover he's like think you're in like a netflix movie <laughs> and we're like okay grand and he was like you know he, we were doing pictures in my farm sheds he was like is it all right if i bring out the smoke machine i was like work away <laughs> fantastic smoke machine at the home farm not something you expect to happen all over all over instagram mm-hmm. um it, it was really cool i mean i i was also wasn't involved but um follow the four of you guys and well I actually didn't follow Alice until then uh, but uh, follow the four of you now it was just on everyone's story it sat yes. at the top god here they are again you know <laughs> like a full week it's brilliant I was I was I, I I really bought into it it was like one of the coolest things I'd sort of seen the Instagram side of things because uh, to sort of see the four uh, varied stories I mean all completely different yeah. Um, and a fantastic sort of of what would you say just fantastic story for for women and further further to that young women in agriculture actually um, yeah and I have to give great case. credit to that journalist because she rang us all individually and interviewed us and she had no farming background so it was like you know I she had to do a lot of research too um but she got everything across really well and over the years, I have done interviews and for the paper and stuff, and you kind of have to go back to them going, I didn't like how now you said that, or that's not the way I portrayed it. But in fairness, she got all of our stories spot on. Like, it was just brilliant. It was a brilliant um, opportunity. I mean, that, that, is, that is good. I mean, this that one I did the Sunday Times, there was three of us in it. And 
I didn't look too bad. Um, definitely the guy on the phone just didn't, it wasn't important was how I felt. But one of the other lads, you, you'll almost definitely have heard of him, uh, Cammy Wilson, Sheep Game Vlog. Um, he, Cammy and I speak quite often, but uh, he, he just made him out to look like he was, oh, I'm the best person in the world, you know, and that's just not how he would have done it. He's, he's confident, but like that, think about yeah. it. So that's, that's lucky to get someone like that, especially when they're not from a farming background. Like that takes mm-hmm. a lot. It's a big industry to understand correctly. Uh, so yeah, no, very good stuff. Listen, it's been great, great to have you on, Louise. With um, with really around the houses, uh, around the fields, if you wish. Um, there's <laughs> two questions I always finish every podcast off with. Um, one of them is where do you see yourself in five years, and the second one is if you had any tips for folk getting into. And I'm actually going to put this in two ways: uh, dairy farming, but also from uh, getting to sort of a social media side of things. What would the two? What would the tips be for those two things? <clears throat> Okay, uh, where do I see myself in five years? 200 cows. Um, hopefully I'll see that next year, but I don't want to go any further than that. i just not going to keep pushing and pushing. I'll be happy at that and just to keep improving what I have. Um, you know, there's, there's always improvements to be made. I suppose more on a personal side, I'd like to be more settled down and be you know focusing on maybe the family aspect i suppose yes. um every every farmer wants someone to pass it on to um <laughs> you know Absolutely. but yeah definitely you know five-year plan is i want the farm to be better than how i got the farm that's the main goal at the end of the day um tips for getting into dairy farming so if you're not dairy farming um at all best thing is contact a dairy farmer we're always looking for help and the vast majority of us are always willing for somebody that's eager to learn um we i've seen over the in the past few years some of the best milkers that i've had have been the people that didn't know anything about cows because they know to ask all of the questions and you you might think you know, that's a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question because every dairy farm is different. So you can't presume anything. So what you did on the last farm might not work on this farm. So you have to start from the basics. And usually the person just getting in and finding their feet will do much better. But it is just chance your arm, ask them and, you know, be upfront about what you do know and what you don't know. And you know, you can always work with somebody. And if you're willing to learn, there's always room for you. Um, social media, I suppose, don't copy anybody else. You know, find something. If you're passionate about something or you enjoy something, it will come across. You have to be genuine about it. And don't go on social media with the aim of, you know, I'm going to gain loads of followers and I'm going to get free stuff and gifted items and work with companies because, to be honest, <laughs> it's a lot of time and it's consuming and you're watching deadlines to have things posted and, you know, c- conflicts of interest with companies. It can take the enjoyment of social media out of it. So, like, if when I got to 10,000 followers, I was like, wow. You know, never thought it would ever happen. And a year later, I've now gone an extra 15,000. 
it's ridiculous to think how it can escalate but it can be slow going at the start and you'll find you know once you get to a certain point it can spiral um but enjoy it that is the main thing people don't want to watch people that are being you know fake or you know they're posting it for the sake of it you're better off um i have days there where i won't post anything i don't think i posted anything today um because you know i just didn't feel like posting it and it's better to do that because you know start again tomorrow then and people will know you know you know, you, you really want to be doing this yeah no and you know i love when people do say the five-year thing and it's basically doing what they're doing now yeah it's mm. the same as what you said yeah looking at the family side of things of course um you know, we're similar ages, Louise, that sort of 30 age, you, you you would like to think you would start be looking at that side of things as well. Um, but from a sort of professional side, I guess, it's always cool to see someone that wants to be in the same place. Maybe a mm. slightly advanced, but still in, in the same place. Um, yeah. the, the stupid question one, I mean, I, you may or may not know, but I'm an agricultural lecturer and uh, the, the stupid question one is one that comes up all the time. And I put all of my students at ease by... Uh, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but I did pretty damn well at getting close when I was a student at one point where I asked uh, I asked the lecturer um, what the biggest bull he had ever seen was because we had a three ton one at home. Right now, <laughs> I was uh, I was young and uh, trying to understand farming. I was from a farm, but I wasn't all that interested when I was younger. And uh, yeah, so I came out in front of the whole class saying about our three ton bull at home. Uh, so. There is no such thing as a stupid question, and even if there is, it's not going to be as stupid as mine, um, <laughs> which is which is probably a good one for them. To I wear. always um, came, I always came from that stupid question thing when I was in secondary school. So we were only like 17, 18, and we had an agricultural science class, and I was the only farmer out of 30 of us in the class. The rest of them kind of took it because they thought farming that's easy you know <laughs> to be handy marks in the exam and there was part of it where you have to be interviewed on your projects you've done over the year and it's random so they only pick five out of the 30 and the teacher says to me you know if your name doesn't get pulled out just pretend you're one of the other names <laughs> and go in and do the interview as um it was, you know, those five, they were going to average their marks for everyone else. So yeah. I was like, all right. So one of the guy's names got pulled out and he was told he would be going in in 10 minutes. And he comes over and he goes, you know, just one more thing, Louise. He goes, what's the difference between silage and slurry? And I just said, oh, here. And I was like, we're all screwed. But I had to go. I was like, OK, look, it's not a stupid question. You had the brains to ask me before you go in. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask like, what's the difference between silage and hay, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> levels to this. There's levels to this. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and the, the see the social media side, the, the be yourself stuff. I mean, you're a lot. A lot of the sort of bigger ones aren't overly consistent. They sort of put out when things. You're very consistent in it. It's one thing I've always done every day since I posted. Uh, since I started every weekday since April twelfth, twenty twenty, I have posted. Um, it's just a schedule at all and it's sort of kept that consistency going but I love doing it um, and I think that's a very important part I find it fun I love talking to people about stuff whether it's recipes I've put up or whether it's whatever um, and then another thing is this is Articast 36 but I'm filming it sort of the week the first 
uh, sponsored podcast comes out. That's obviously meaning I'm tied to something to a point. Now, it's very loose and I'm just continuing the same podcast uh, and I'm earning money for what I was already doing. Um, but yeah, I think what you said about don't go onto social media to make money. If it comes, great, but only do it if, if it comes naturally or maybe not naturally. You can sort of search for it to a point, but only make sure you're doing stuff that feels right to you and don't just sell things that you don't actually believe in so you can get them for free um so yeah, exactly no. you know you have to be you have to have credibility too if you go down that kind of working with brands route like i would get offered a lot of things but if they're not applicable to my farm and the way i want to do things i will say no to them yeah. because there's no point putting your name to something um that you, you don't believe in or you're not interested in because the item that you do are like you are interested in you know you've lost your credibility for it like and you know the way i work things here if it's not going to benefit the farm i'm not going to do it and like there is a time frame i suppose with social media i don't know how long i'll keep it going or whatever it depends on you know how life goes and things change um but like i will keep it going as long as it benefits the farm and yeah. if it's no longer relevant to it, then you know we'll see where it goes. Then, and and you know that's that's twenty five thousand people that that yes, you, there's no way you can physically care about each of them or know any of them, you know. But you these people follow you; they've given you that platform as well. And if you go out and just promote something that you really couldn't care about, so you can make money, then you're failing them as well. You know, there's there's that sort of responsibility to it as well, the credibility you're talking about. But yeah, um, no, here, listen, that's been great. Really enjoyed it. Been great to chat. Great to sort of get to know someone else in the industry that I didn't know before. Um, hope you've enjoyed it yourself. <laughs> definitely I, it's been a great chat now no good that's what we like to hear and for everyone listening um i hope you've enjoyed as always and i will see you in a week's time for let's see if i can remember i cannot remember who it is um we'll see you in a week's time for another podcast cheers again well that's it another r2 cast finished another agricultural mind opened up and I would just like to say that getting these guests on board it does take time and it always has done but I've now went weekly and with that comes even more time required and I would just like to finally thank once more the Scottish Farmer for sponsoring the show and making that much more possible. Please be sure to get in touch if you've any ideas of people you'd like to see on the podcast or maybe ideas you have for me presenting better because I definitely do require that. See you in the next one.